0: Church. It's such an honor to have you in the house with us. To those of you joining us online, we say welcome, and I want to challenge you. Next week is the perfect opportunity for you to come visit us in person right here at Merge Church, because next week we turn six, and it is a weekend you do not want to miss. Amen? Amen. That goes for everybody in the house, too. I'm telling you, we believe that every weekend matters, but there's something special about next weekend. So you need to be here, not by yourself, but with everyone you can get to come and be with you. We're in this series called Better. And we're talking about our natural desire to get better at things, whether that's at work, playing ball, our finances, relationship. We all have some things in life that we're striving to get better at. But if we really want to get better at the things that we desire to get better at, we have to back ourselves up and make sure that we're living on God's mission and in God's mission and that we're getting better at fulfilling God's mission on this earth. So we kicked off the series talking about what is God's mission. And God's mission is a growing mission multiplication. God's mission is a sending mission by filling spaces when we exit this place and we go into the world. And God's mission is a kingdom mission whereby we take kingdom with us everywhere we go as believers in Christ Jesus. We talked about how Jesus so perfectly modeled this mission on this earth. And as Jesus is modeling this mission, he also gives The church, you and me as believers in Christ Jesus, clear instructions on how we can fulfill this mission. And Jesus says, I want you to do three things. I want you to preach the gospel, meaning I want you to proclaim that I came, I lived, I died, and I rose again. And Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. And Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to tell other people about everything that has happened and transpired in your life and how I have redeemed it. And we focused in on the fact that Jesus tells us to go in God's mission, but he never says to stop. Because the mission of God is ongoing, it is in motion, and it will not stop until Christ returns for his church. So we go, we're a church in motion, in movement with the mission of God every day of our lives. And today we're gonna continue looking at how Jesus can better enable us to fulfill God's mission in our individual lives. It was a few years back and Kristen and I we're building a house and we bought a, a wooded piece of land and as you know we're talking about buying this piece of land i got a topographic map because when i say wooded i mean densely wooded ground. like I mean, it's like you can see one step in front of you. And so my dad and I spent hours walking around looking for a place to build, and we thought, you know, you, you could probably build a house here somewhere, so we bought the land. Now, as we're clearing the land, what you find is that maybe that slope was a wee bit greater than anticipated because there is no such thing as flat ground in western Arkansas. So we get ready to build our house and we're going and they're working on the foundation. And I don't know how much you know about building. I'm not an expert. I've just been through the process. But when they're laying a foundation, they go and they dig something called footings, where they dig down into the ground and they fill it with concrete. And on top of the concrete footings, they lay block. Now, One end of my house ended up being 13 blocks high. A few of you know how bad that is, okay? I built the Great Wall of Crawford County. See, the challenge with building this wall is that the the builder calls and he's sharing the information with us and he's like, I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news is we can still lay a proper foundation. The bad news is it's going to be really expensive because now we have to engineer this wall and we have to put rebar in it and we have to fill it with concrete and we have to tie it in to the rest of your slab. And so me, because I don't accept any information as valid the first time I hear it, I begin to contemplate and think about, are there other options? What should we do? Is there a way that we can save some of this money? Like I don't really know what to do. And then Kristen and I are sitting and talking. She says, what do we do? I said, here's what we have to do. We have to shut up and listen and do what the expert has told us to do because the foundation of our house is the most important part of all of it. Jesus has a conversation with a group of people where he is experiencing and he's really giving us an insight into being in the shoes that Kristen and I found ourselves in. He's really giving a warning, and I put it into an equation. What Jesus is going to say in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49 is this. If you will hear and practice, what happens is that that will equal you being wise upon the rock wise and building upon the rock. Let's look at it. Luke chapter six, verse 46. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? It's like, listen, you understand who I am. When you communicate with me, you're recognizing that I am the Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to show you what the people that don't just hear it, but that actually practice what I'm saying are like. They are like a man building a house who dug, everybody say dug, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. Why does this matter? Jesus tells us. He says, when a flood came, The torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus says, if you want to live a life that is wise, that is on mission with God, you have to build on the rock. You have to build on the rock and scripture tells us that the alternative is to build on sand, which is shifting and changing. And we hear build on the rock and it seems like a great celebration, but I want you to understand this isn't a principle of easier. It's a principle of better which is what this series is all about. There's nothing fun about getting the foundation right. You know, when people are building a house, they'll send you pictures uh, of the progress as things are going. You know, the walls get framed up and the drywall gets on and the paint's finished and the cabinets and the countertops. What you'll notice is that you get more and more pictures the further along the house gets to being completed because you're seeing the things people want you to see. I've had the privilege of having some friends that build houses along the way. And you know what I don't get very many pictures of? The foundation. Like, not many people send me pictures and they're like, man, they're digging those footings today and it is beautiful. (laughs) Not many people send me like the blocks and they're like, you know what? They're going to pour some concrete within those blocks. Man, it is on. They pour that slab and not many people send me a picture of the slab without the framing on top of it and the drywall and the paint and the trim work and the cabinetry. Why? Because the foundation isn't fun. Yet it is the most important part of the entire house. And so we as believers have to understand and become willing to pay whatever the price to get the foundation right. Kristen and I blew our build budget on the foundation and it cut out some of the pretty things that we wanted, but we were more concerned with a house that would stand, a house that would last, a house that would ultimately serve the purpose that God desired for it to serve. You got to get the foundation right because when you get the foundation wrong, it actually costs you more. Because at some point in time, you will have to correct the foundation for the house to ever be right. There was a season in my life where I was a college professor, and I taught a class called Critical Thinking and Analysis. And the very first day of this class, what I would do is I would get the class together and I would split them into two teams and I would have completely random items. I would have a bag of dried spaghetti, I would have bags of marshmallows, I would have plastic or paper cups, I would have plastic or paper plates, just really random things. And I would tell the two teams that you have a set amount of time and I want you to create a design to build the tallest and strongest structure you can build. Two criteria, height and strength. And after I had given them a period of time to create the design, I would then give them a predetermined amount of fake money, and I would have them bid on the items that I had. They weren't ready for that part. And what you would see happen is the people that would build the best structure, the best not just being the tallest, but the best also being the strongest, would always pay the price for the cups. Because in this particular scenario, the only items they could purchase that had actual structure were the cups. The plates only have structure if they lay flat, which does you no good in creating height. The pasta has no structure on its side, and and, and it's weak and brittle all the way around. Marshmallows are just ooey, gooey mess. And so as they're going through the bidding process, the team that would bid the highest amount and get the cups would always win The contest because they understood that I have to get the foundation right to ever achieve the height that I desire to achieve. In fact, the best structures would always come from the individuals that would purchase the cups and some marshmallows. And the really genius groups would melt the marshmallows and use it as glue for the cups as they would build this foundation. And then they could accomplish their height with just one piece of spaghetti, and they would win in both height and strength. You know that God wants to take you higher, but he can't take you higher until he gets you deeper. He can't take you to the places he really wants you to go until your foundation is proper and correct. Why does the foundation matter so much? I'm going to give you three reasons really quick why the foundation of your life matters so much. The first reason is this. A proper foundation holds the structure above it. I can only go so high without proper foundation to hold me up. I can only reach new heights if I have the proper foundation that is going to support the heights to which I desire to go. The second reason is a proper foundation keeps the structure standing. I can build all I want to build, but if I build on shifting sand, it will eventually fall down. It takes a proper foundation to keep the structure standing. I, as a believer, can only stand so long without a proper foundation to hold me up because the storms will come, the wind will blow. The waters will rise. So it takes the foundation to keep me standing. And the third reason is this. A proper foundation resists the movement of the earth around it. The earth is always moving and changing and soil is changing. So we dig footings and we lay block and we put rebar in it and we tie it all together because the foundation resists the movement of the earth around it. And I can only withstand... The changing condition of life without a proper foundation to hold me up so long, but when my foundation is right, it doesn't matter how much the earth around me moves, I will remain steadfast, strong and true. You know, we want the same thing for you that Jesus wants here in this house? We want to see you be stronger, and we want to see you reach higher. We want to celebrate you going deeper in the things of God. We want to celebrate you becoming a disciple and making a disciple. We want to celebrate you building a great small group. We want to celebrate you as you serve. We want to celebrate you as you invite. So we got to get the foundation right. Because if the foundation is anything other than God's mission, we've missed the mark. It's easy to forget this truth that we see in Ephesians 2 and 20, which says this. Together, everybody say together. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What does Paul mean when he's writing this letter? What Paul is indicating is that the apostles and the prophets came before Christ and they foretold that Christ would come because the entire word of God is about Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying, hey, together, together, We, as believers, are the house of God, built on the foundation of the gospel that Jesus would come, live, die, and rise again. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation, and not just of our faith, but also of our everyday lives. Of all of the things that we want to get better at, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the foundation upon which I build a better marriage, upon which I get my finances right, upon which I raise my kids, upon how I interact with my coworkers, upon how I make relationship decisions and deal with difficult people on whether or not I forgive. Jesus is the foundation. Paul reinforces this in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 when he says this, Don't you know? Like, don't you know, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. You are the house of God. So your foundation matters. And if the foundation is anything other than God's mission, then we've built our lives and this family on sand. As Jesus is having The conversation throughout scripture talking about building and building on a firm foundation versus building on sand. What Jesus understands is that there's literal context to what he's saying. When Jesus is having this conversation with people, he knows that they have a desire to build their house on the shore of the sea. And when the waters of the sea would rescind and the sun would come out in the hot summertime days, it would dry the sand and the sand would get Firm and hard. And it would give the deceptive appearance that it was a proper foundation upon which someone could build. Jesus is warning those that are listening to him not to be deceived. Oftentimes, we feel like we are living on mission. But the mission is ours. The mission is about money or status or achievement. The mission is about what we can gain rather than what we can give. And so Jesus understands that there can be this deception in appearance. We can proclaim that Jesus is Lord. That's what the scripture told us. And still not put into practice the words of wisdom. We can make the proclamation in appearance and still not build our life on God's mission and his calling for you and me. You and I must be careful not to be deceived. Now, this is challenging because we hear this word deception and our mind automatically goes to the enemy, right? Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to deceive. And all of that is true. But you know what I've learned in my faith journey? The person most likely to deceive me is not Satan. The person most likely to deceive me is me. Think about how good we are at justifying decisions. You know, a few months back, I started looking at boats. Now, everyone knows that buying a boat's a bad decision. I want to be clear if you own a boat, good for you. I'm in no way criticizing your ownership of the boat. Go out and enjoy the boat, all right? And the things that I'm going to say, you probably used to justify that decision, and I'm still proud of your decision. Give me a ring, I'll use your boat, all right? But as I'm looking at boats, I'm like, I know good and well I don't need to buy a boat, right? Now, I grew up at the lake, and so I love boats, and I love the water. And I'm thinking about it. And, and, and truth is speaking into one ear going like, you spend all day Saturday chasing kids playing ball. And you can't go to the lake on Sunday because you got this little obligation that tends to get in the way of that. <laughs> so I thought to myself, you know what? I could go to the lake on Mondays. Because I don't have anything to do on Mondays, right? And I thought, you know, this will be good family time. And family time and family bonding, that is of God, right? And it won't just be my family, I could get a boat and a a slip and I could leave the keys in a lockbox and I could let other families also benefit from the purchase of this boat. And so I won't just be building my family, I'll be building all sorts of families, we should get a boat. Now, none of those things change the reality that buying a boat is a bad decision, Do you see how you and I have this ability to deceive ourselves? We can even deceive ourselves building on things that are genuinely of God, but are not fulfilling the mission of God. And so Jesus is giving this warning of saying like, listen, you can be deceived in believing that you're building your house upon the rock. But what does he say? He says, it's the wise one that dug down deep. Because I read this and I think, you know what? You know what they should do? They should stop building houses on the shore and they should go build a house up in the mountains where there are rocks and there is a firm foundation. Now, Kristen and I, we bought this piece of ground and we cleared out all of this land and we realized that the slope is greater than we anticipated and the builder's telling us, hey, it's gonna cost this much money to do it right and to engineer this wall and to do all of these things. And so as I'm processing, I'm thinking, you know, we could change the house plans or like maybe we could put this land back up for sale and we could sell it or we could do whatever. Or you know what we could do? We could spend the money it costs to get the foundation right. We could pay the price to dig down deep. And to get the foundation of our home correct. We could no longer worry about the aesthetics. We could worry about the foundation. What really matters. So that when the wind blows. And when the waters rise. That house is still standing in spite of it all. There's deception all around us. So we have to constantly ask ourselves. What is God's mission? It's to grow. It's to fill. It's to take kingdom with us. What does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us to proclaim the gospel, to go and make disciples, to go and be his witnesses. He simplifies God's mission for us so that we have great clarity on how we actually live on mission. I want to be clear. Here's a mistake that we can easily make. We can ask ourselves one time, am I building on Christ as the rock? We have to ask ourselves daily, am I building on the rock? Every day, this is a choice. Every day, this is a decision. Every day, we have to get real and honest with ourselves in this moment. God's mission, Jesus' desire, isn't for his people to run from hard. It's for his people to take ground and stand strong. We could have given up on our building site. Jesus could have told these people, no longer do I want you to build on the shore, but yet he doesn't say that. He says, no, that's the ground I want you to take. I just need you to dig down deep until you get to bedrock. If we tuck tail and run every time things get hard in our faith, we'll never dig down deep and build our lives on the bedrock, the cornerstone, the foundation that is Jesus Christ. This is what I feel like Jesus was saying in Jacob terms feel like Jesus was saying get your shovel out get your shovel out cuz that's the ground I want you to take so you're going to have to dig down to get the foundation right get your shovel out i don't know about you but i don't love to dig she says we're building this house what happens is, and if you've ever built a house, you're going to connect with this intimately. When, when you build a house, you get to the end, and it's time for landscaping, and you quickly realize there's no more money left in the landscaping budget. You I think, I, I'll just, you know what, I like dirt. I like the look of just dirt in front of my house. I mean, it's very earth tone, you know what I'm saying? Really accents the brick, dirt. So we get to the end, and because we built the great wall of Crawford County, We have no money left in the budget for the landscaping, so I decide I'll do it myself. I get a plan. I lay it all out. I buy the plants. I buy a shovel. And about halfway through that day as I'm shoveling, you know what I kept thinking to myself? I should have paid somebody to dig these holes because there's nothing overly fun or exciting about digging. Here's what I've learned. Digging takes a lot of time. And because it takes a lot of time, digging is expensive. Digging requires a lot of energy, spend, and effort. Ironically, digging also requires a lot of focus because if I dig the hole in the wrong place, I just wasted time, money, and energy. So the reason that we hear, get your shovel out, we automatically go like, I'm not sure. And that's what I want to do. Is because no one wakes up on Monday morning and goes, man, I hope I get to dig a hole with the shovel today. But Jesus is saying, hey, the one that hears and practices what I say is the one that digs deep. The one that gets all the way down to bedrock so that the foundation is right so that when the wind comes, and the waters rise, their house will remain standing. I've got an image for you that illustrates this beautifully. This was an image from a hurricane that had occurred down around the Galveston area, and you can see the absolute, utter devastation. Yet in the bottom of this image, you see one house left standing. One house remains. How? Did their builder just know that much more? And when you study this house, what you learn is it was owned by a retired couple. And they had built a house on this exact same lot. And Hurricane Rita had come through a few years before and destroyed their home. Yet rather than retreat, they decided that they would remain. So they built differently for the next storm, knowing another one would come. And they put in a peer system that was a little bit higher than the expectation. They put in a peer system that raised their home just a little bit higher than the code required. But to raise their house a little bit higher, they had to dig a little bit deeper because if i want the piers to hold my house up high i got to get them a little further down into the ground the same is true of our faith journey god wants to take his people higher the question for us is are we willing to get our shovels out and dig a little deeper because the deeper i dig the higher god can take me because i've built on bedrock, on cornerstone, on foundation, on Jesus Christ and nothing else. When a storm hits, don't retreat, rebuild. And rebuild better. So how do I how do I dig? Because it's not easy. It's not as easy as Joe Dirt makes it sound. You know, life's a garden, dig it. More challenging than that. And I want us to look at three things as we wrap this all the way up. Three ways we can dig deeper. And Before I give you these three things, I want you to understand that you'll never get your shovel out and dig until you believe that God's mission matters more you believe that God's mission matters more than your comfort, matters more than your ease, matters more than your preferences and your desires. You'll never get your shovel out and dig until you believe God's mission matters more. Three ways we got to dig. we got to dig deeper mentally. We have to develop a desire to learn as believers. Scripture tells us that it takes a renewing of our mind. Renewal is not a surface level commitment. Renewal requires a willingness to dig until I've reached bedrock, to build my life upon Christ, to set my mind on Christ, to seek His kingdom first. I gotta dig deeper mentally. We've got to mentally start looking above and not below. Some of you allow the enemy to be way too large in your life. And I know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I know that he desires to torment you in your life. But I want you to understand how much greater our God is. Jesus left nothing to chance when he brought all authority of heaven. He took all authority on earth and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Not so you and I could live weak and mentally destroyed, but so you and I could be renewed. We could build our life on his might, his power, his authority. We got to dig deeper mentally. We got to dig deeper spiritually. Spiritually. I know how absolutely cliche it sounds for a pastor to say you've got to get in the Word of God. But you've got to get in the Word of God. And I don't say that as the guy that's like, oh yeah, man, it's, just, it's easy to get in the Word. No, it isn't. If it was easy, we'd all be there. You want to get in the Word, you've got to get your shovel out. And you've got to dig. Crack open a physical Bible. See if your phone doesn't ding. You've got to dig. You've got to get your shovel out. We've got to dig deeper spiritually by getting in the Word. We've got to dig deeper spiritually in our prayer life. You know, when Kristen and I found out that our, our, our property was sloped more than we thought, you, you know what we did? We kept communicating with our builder, the expert. And I don't know if you've ever built a house. They, they make it look really shiny and fun. The truth is it's really expensive and requires a whole lot of decision. And at the end of it, you're either best friends or enemies with your builder. There is no in-between because you will talk to them more than your spouse during the period upon which you build. But we kept communicating with the expert all throughout the build. Not because he needed our help, but because he wanted us to participate in the process so that the outcome would be what we desired it to be. And Jesus works the same way. He is the expert and he does not need our help, but in prayer, we're communicating with the expert and he's allowing us to participate in God's mission for this world. We got to dig deeper. Mentally, We gotta dig deeper spiritually in the word and spiritually in prayer and spiritually in the gathering. In this, scripture tells us to forsake not the gathering and we take that and we view it as as a means of attendance. And we value attendance and you should be here. This should be the priority of your week. But you can attend and not attend. You can show up to receive, but if you never give anything, you're never going to get anything. So we dig deeper spiritually in the Word. We dig deeper spiritually in prayer. We dig deeper spiritually in the gathering. We dig deeper mentally. We dig deeper spiritually. And we got to dig deeper relationally. We dig deeper relationally in generosity. Generosity is born out of a desire to see God's mission fulfilled on this earth. We dig deeper relationally in generosity and we dig deeper relationally in discipleship. We talked about it last week, but it's your choice to become a disciple and you've got to be a disciple to make a disciple. So discipleship is a choice for you And for others, we got to dig deeper relationally in generosity and discipleship, and we got to dig deeper relationally in service to others. Service to others is a choice for others to experience what you have experienced. If I make the choice to serve others by driving a golf cart, what I'm saying is I have a desire for those that show up on a rainy Sunday and have to park on the third gravel parking lot across the creek up the hill. I have a desire for them to experience someone picking them up rather than them walking down the hill because I too have experienced the joy of the golf cart ride. When I make the decision to serve in worship. What I'm saying is I have a desire for others to experience what I've experienced in recognizing the truth of who God is. And I want God to use me so that they too can have the same experience and the same revelation of who God is. When I serve in kids, what I'm saying is I have a desire for the next generation to experience the same joy, love, salvation, grace, and mercy of our heavenly Father that I have already experienced. We dig deeper relationally in our generosity, in our discipleship, in our service to others, and we dig deeper relationally in invitation. Michael shared a beautiful story of how just a Facebook share can lead someone into this house. And as he said, there are many more of those similar stories. It's one click away. And my prayer for you this week is that you would develop the boldness to actually take one of these cards, to pray over it before you ever leave this place and to believe that the Holy Spirit's gonna lead you to give it to the very person that needs to receive it and you give it not because you were asked to, you give it because you want someone else to experience the freedom of Jesus Christ that you yourself have already experienced (laughs) invitation is digging deeper relationally we have got to get our shovels out and dig deeper mentally, dig deeper spiritually and dig deeper relationally because God's not done with this church and God's not done fulfilling his message in and through this house and our foundation will always be God's mission and Jesus Christ as the cornerstone because this is God's church. And I'm telling you, God's moving in some ways here that I can't wait to share with you. So let's get our shovels out and let's get ready to dig. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. God, we glorify you. God, I thank you for who you are, not what you've done. Because who you are, who you are is the foundation of our lives. Who you are is where we find Your mission to redeem humanity. Who you are is where we find steadfast, unchanging love, grace, and goodness that overflows in the life of each and every one that professes that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, and maybe you came in this room and you would say, you know what, Jacob, i got to be honest, Jesus is not the cornerstone of my life because Jesus is not my Savior. I've never believed that Jesus came and he died for my sins and that he wants to forgive me. If that's you in this house right here right now, nobody's looking around, but would you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray with you. If you say, man, I I don't know what eternity holds for me. I don't know what the future has for me. But I want to declare that Jesus is my Savior. He is the cornerstone of my life. Let's all say this prayer out loud and together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying for my sins. And today, I declare that you are my risen Savior. Heads bowed, eyes still closed all across this place. Maybe you're in the room and you would just say, Jacob, I've got some foundational work to do. I've got to dig down deep. Or maybe you would say, you know what, Jacob? I'm living in the midst of the storm. The winds are blowing and the water's rising. And I need a renewal of my faith to believe and to stand upon the rock. Would you just slip your hand up? I'm just going to pray with you. Father, I thank you for every hand raised. And God, I pray right here, right now. That each individual that slipped their hand up would understand that it's not just an insignificant move toward you, but it's hearing and putting into practice your word, which moves them one step closer to standing upon the rock faithfully, to being the wise one that dug down deep to build their life. And God, I pray that you would turn your face toward them, that you would shine upon them, that you would be gracious to them each and every day of this week, that they would stand firm upon Jesus Christ and nothing and no one else. We give you all the praise, honor, and everybody in the house to a great Big.